Thanks for listening. Sorry it's been so long since we've gotten a new episode out. Well, as always, I think we got a great episode ready for you. We interviewed some APE professionals at a regional center in the state of Texas, and it's unique because uh, they are the only ones that provide APE services and professional development and have created a lot of tools as well in the state of Texas. And they go throughout the state of Texas providing professional development and they've created a a plethora of different tools, uh, curriculum book on how to implement a partner PE program. And uh, they've they've created a plethora of different things. And uh, I got them, they were here at Texas Women's University doing a in-service for our some of our undergrads on Special Olympics and track and field and basketball because they also provide a lot of those types of opportunities throughout our state. Um, so we're sitting down with them right now. And I have Randy Fortier as well as Angela Campbell and Amy Talbert. And they're all been uh, working there for different increments of time. Randy has been there over 30 years, and he is uh, one of the state of Texas's uh, most uh, well-known AP teachers. He's been there basically since the beginning, which he's going to talk about. And he's just done so many things for our field, and especially in the state of Texas. Amy's been teaching uh, APE for uh, nearly 10 years, uh, five of the years at Region 10 and four years at in Dallas ISD. And Angela, this is uh, her six months, about six months she's been at Region 10, but before that she taught uh, in Capella as well, and she's actually a former podcast guest as well. So we have three really great experts here. We're going to talk about Region 10, what they've done, the professional development that they deliver, as well as some of the assessment pieces. I also encourage you to go to the blog where I have the website available and some of the other resources that we're going to discuss in this podcast. So um, with that, uh, let's let's start talking to our great panelists. So anyways, I wanted you all to be on this because I think you all do a really unique thing that is not happening. I've not really heard of anything like what you're doing across the country. And so if you can just tell everyone about a little bit like what it is that what Region 10 is, what your roles are, and how you kind of help out in the state department. Well, Region 10 is an educational entity, um, one of 20-something in the state that covers a certain geographical area. You see us at an, as an intermediate agency between the Texas Education Agency and the local education institutions, the LEAs. Uh, so we sit between them uh, and offer uh, such a variety of services, not just special ed, but for principals, ed, uh, administrators, uh, general ed, but specifically we have a large special ed component at Region 10, and, and actually we are the only service center in the state of Texas that offers a direct service component which includes adaptive PE, uh, OTPT, and VI. We actually have a probably, I don't know, well over 40 or so direct service providers that go out from the service center that serve primarily smaller districts who maybe don't have the need to have a full-time person. So we're very unique in, in that way, in that um, we're the only service center that actually has practicing adaptive PE teachers. Uh, which leaves us, like you said, in a very unique position because we then tend to get calls 
from all over the state. Every service center has a person that wears an Adapt PE hat. And a lot of times it's the low incidence a consultant. Sometimes it's you know a, a special ed, uh, just a general special ed consultant, a uh, inclusion consultant that wears an Adapt PE hat there at the service center. And so obviously they don't have the technical knowledge, so they get they get questions from their constituents, and then they turn around and email us at Region 10 and ask us now, what's the answer to this question? Can you share it with me? So we we have become a source of of knowledge for the state in terms of. Uh, whether they're sometimes they're legal questions, sometimes they're just best practices questions, sometimes they're just very practical questions. You work for a region, local, like almost like a county region center, and you are the only one that has a specific uh, role for APE in the state of Texas, right? And so then you, but you also at the same time are providing services, direct services, while you're also trying to provide like kind of best practice ideas and things like that. Now, I also know, because we're at TWU right now, where you just did an in-service for our students, and I think that's part of your, what's become part of your position as well, is that you all go out and you give a ton of professional development. You've created a bunch of tools. Can you tell, talk a little bit more on those points of some of the things that you're doing outside of yeah, we probably, obviously, we do a lot more professional development than anyone that's associated with a specific school district. Now, some of the APE people obviously will provide professional development to their own staff. But even even to that point, we have been asked a lot more to come into districts that have ADAPT P teachers and, and provide staff development uh, under the umbrella that they feel like it would be better if their teachers heard that same same information from a different voice, uh, so to speak. So in that regard, you know, we do a lot more professional development than than most APE teachers. Um, I mean, we, we do get requests uh, throughout the state, um, both on a personal level, and we have what we call service center agreements with other service centers. So they can request a consultant to come uh, down and provide a staff development. All they got to do is pay travel. So, you know, I'll be going to um, Amarillo here in a week under that service center agreement. Uh, I was down in South Texas earlier this year uh, under that service center agreement. So, um, so we, we, we do a lot of that. Now, we serve, each service center serves a certain geographical area. Like, we serve eight counties and we serve somewhere around I don't even know what the what the number is now. Somewhere around eighty school districts we're specifically responsible for in our in our region. As well as you've all created a bunch of assessments and, and tools like that, right? Yes, right. Yes. 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 So I wanna in a moment I wanna get maybe a little bit more in depth on some of the professional development and assessments that you you created and like kinda why, but like let's let's maybe kind of peel back and ask like you're the only one in the state. I don't know if there's one before you. But, like, kind of how did that start? Like, like what is the why between that and then also what, like, how did this become? Because if this isn't what I hope some viewers um, get from this is, like, they say, hey, I'm in Utah. We don't have one. Why well, and how? Yeah, originally it started, uh, somebody wrote, somebody before me wrote a three-year grant back in. Actually, this was uh, 78, I believe it was. They wrote a three-year grant for Adapt PE, well ahead of their time, because uh, I was still, 
I was still in uh, Illinois, and then I came on. I came in in the second year of that grant. Uh, I started Region Ten back then in '79, and um, once the grant money ran out, once the three-year program or grant was over, the instructional piece of that was so ingrained in our region by then that it was hard for anybody to say, "Let's just." You know, it's not important. Let's forget about it. Then it just it, it just got absorbed from state and federal money that that came into Region Ten, and so it was born uh, back in '78 through a grant. And just by the three years that that the grant ran, it became important enough to people in our region. The service became important enough that they they just kept it. Um, and so we always had one of us. I I probably was there for. I don't guess, I guess almost 30 years by myself. And it was just now in the last, you know, seven, eight, nine years, we have went from one to two to three, not a four, uh, of us that are, that are there. So we're unique. We're very unique in that way. Uh, and we actually, you know, our services that we provide are probably no different than, than what Plano's our Richardson, our Garland's adaptive PE people do. When you're in a large district, you you don't provide direct serve. You know, uh, you know that they they throw around this the the term consulted model. You know, but most of us in the state are what I would call not a consulted model in that. Uh, you know, and that's kind of a misnomer because the kids still receive direct serve. They just don't receive it from us. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a couple of large districts like the Round Rocks and Northeast and San Antonio that provide all hands-on direct serve. But by and large, a Dallas, a Garland, a Richardson, a Plano, uh, they can't possibly provide all the direct serve with just three or four people. And that's kind of the same way with us. Uh, we do the evaluations. We do the uh, generate the IEPs. And then we teach whoever in that district is is identified as being a service provider. So what we do from a from a practitioner standpoint isn't any different than what a large school district. It's just that we do it for multiple smaller school districts, I think. Let's talk then a little bit more about that. Um, that last seven years when you all of a sudden you've quadrupled your uh, manpower. Uh, how did that happen and why as well? Well, I think they somebody finally figured out that one person couldn't do it all, you know, and the service and the numbers of referrals that were coming in were just consistently growing uh, and that um, one person couldn't handle it anymore. So we, we hired another one so we could kind of separate north and south. And and then we, we start doing a lot of other things things as we're off to do at Region 10. You know, you know, we have the sports extravaganza that is mostly our responsibility. We started the kinetic games, which is mostly our responsibility. You know, we assist with 30 to 40 local Special Olympic events every year. So so people finally realized how full our plates were and, and what an impact that we ha- we were having and that, you know, we couldn't do it all because we were carrying caseloads um, probably somewhere around 100 to 120 kids at that time. Uh, and we weren't serving nearly everybody that we could. Uh, so I think people, and, and we had great supervisors who, who, who had a passion for adaptive be, who saw the importance of it. And, and we quickly went from one to two to three to four 
uh, in very little time in a span of probably four or five years. Because you, you all have, a, I mean, a huge uh, plate with all the things like you're even doing without your students. Yes. You have a, conf- a state conference that you're doing. You've created all these different tools. You're giving professional development. You have kinetic games, sports. History. I mean, like you've done all these different. So, and has that expanded since you've had more people come on to, like, are you doing more of those things or? I mean, the conference is new since you were by yourself. So. Right. Conference is new. And, and now since we have, we can spend more time in our, in our geographical areas, we're seeing that Special Olympic locals in the South and the East, which were non-existent before, are now all of a sudden growing because we have people there to nurture and to, and to, and, and to push. Uh, for those kinds of things. So the number of locals have grown. The Adaptive Peak Conference has grown. Uh, you know, we're able to divvy up some of the responsibilities of the Kinetic Games and, and have a bigger push uh, than we would if, if, if we were only one. And now, now, you know, I'm just so interested in that, like, you guys, that you all are, like, going out to, like, this statewide thing. So where, like, these school districts are contacting you to get – do they have APE services going already that are not refined, or are they contacting you basically to say, I don't have anything going? Um, and then, and who's con? Is it like a special ed director contacting you usually? It's a number of different people. Sometimes it's the service center, sometimes it's the director, sometimes it's a PE teacher who's been given the task. Interesting. Uh, here, you're going to do adaptive PE for the district. And, and then they'll say, do you have a handbook, or do you have any instruction, or how do I get trained? So it's really ground up in a lot of ways for some people. It can be like a total soul, just basically everything. Like, so when when the people with the money, the special ed directors and the principals and all that are contacting you, are they giving you, like, a reason why that they're kind con- like, why, like, why are they, because to me sometimes the question is, 40 years AP has been a field, or it should be, but we still don't have it always. And so I guess, like, but having you as a service there to something to contact, I guess, like, are they telling you why they're contacting you sometimes if it's something that they don't, they haven't had before? Yeah, a lot of times, if, if it comes from outside our area, and we're so far ahead of most of the, the regions in the state because of TWU, because of Region 10, you know. But when, when we get contacted from outside of this region, it's usually because needs have been expressed by local school districts to the service centers there. So Mm -hmm. somebody will contact Amarillo Region 16 Service Center and say, hey, we have APE people that are not very good or not very comfortable doing evaluations. We feel this is a need for our region. So can you come and, and, and do something? Can you help us? So usually, usually it comes about by a need that's expressed uh, by a local school district to the service center who in then turn says, okay, maybe they do a needs assessment. Maybe they reach out and say, hey, this need's been expressed. Does anybody else have this need? Uh, because in some parts of the state, it is in some of the rural parts of the state, you know, we still have, uh, we have a lot of OTPTs providing AP services in, in those regions. Uh, we have a lot of who were just gen ed PE teachers who were asked to provide service to do adapted PE, especially down in the valley and some of those those areas. So they're just looking then to help build skills uh, for those for those people. So usually it comes about through some requested need uh, by a local school district who then in turn, turn contacts us. That's really nice that, that, that we ha- I think that's almost like the, 
something, a big takeaway is that, like, it's, there's so many people in the state. Texas does a pretty good job compared to a lot of states. Maybe not all of them are providing APE compared, I mean, the other states that basically don't have it still. And to have you all as a resource, I think, like, then just, because to me, it's like, even if they wanted to in somewhere, I'm going to Iowa soon. So in Iowa, there's really no APE or it's not, there's not like an endorsement or nothing. Yet. I don't know. So it's like, who, if they actually even wanted it, what do they even do? And you've created something. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because it's obvious that, that the number of people out there who can do what we do in terms of staff development is, is there's just not a lot of people out there either willing to do it, comfortable to do it, because because they just keep coming back time and time and time again. And, and if somebody asks me who else could do this workshop, you know, the list is pretty short yeah. uh, right now in terms of who I would recommend outside the core group here that could actually, that I, that I know could go out and do that. So uh, I, I can't imagine being in another state and, and having to start from scratch without knowing anyone uh, yeah. who has that kind of competency to do that. Well, that's exa- exactly what you did, though. <laughs> Doing it all over again. Yeah. <laughs> you just can't remember. It's over yeah, I guess. Ago. I guess I, I. I only look back in the last ten years. Well, did you start for like when you started in the seventies? Were you doing professional development? Like, what was the need in the seventies when you were came on board? It probably wasn't a stated need, but I I soon learned that that was going to be part of the job. You know, fortunately, we actually had some pretty good trainings back in the day. We went through this training called DuPont training. We, we, we did a, we had a number of different type of effective teaching practices, workshops that were held that really helped, you know, me feel comfortable, you know, talking. Not, and I always felt comfortable talking as long as I, I was comfortable with the content. But in terms of how to keep people's attention, how, how to, you know, how to know when to, you know, change course, when to, you know, what kinds of things you could use to maintain focus and things like that. You know, I was fortunate in that I, I went through a number of things that I thought were really effective in helping me build on, on that, those skills. Um, and then it just became a matter of, you know, really starting to figure out what people were needing, even if they didn't ask. You know, one of the first workshops that I ever had to do, and I was very uncomfortable with it, was our, our motor activities training that, that came down. That was one of the work, first workshops I did. And when I first saw those kids, I was like, whoa, you know, this is OTPT stuff. This is not me. This is not, whoa, <laughs> you know. And now it's it's our, my favorite population. It's my favorite workshop to do because I have just... I've grown so much in that area of figuring out, you know, what we can do for these kids and how we can unlock some of the potential there and stuff like that. But, but I was really uncomfortable for the first few that I did. Um, but then, you know, we started working on inclusion, and that was another big workshop that we I've just refined over the years in terms of, you know, how to how to make it work. You know, assessment evaluation is another big workshop that probably probably one that we were asked to do the most yet. And you would think at some point, you know, people would have this, but I still go out to places that never heard of, you know, functional motor assessment or never heard of the TGMD two or three or, you know, and so you just scratch your head and and 
and obviously a lot of them have never heard of our tools. Um, so that's still probably the number one uh, workshop that 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 I'm asked to do yet around the state is is the evaluation one. Let's let's. That was on my list, and so why don't we now transition to that? Um, we could transition and transition to uh, We're good at transitioning. In fact, we're working on workshops for transition. Okay. Well, before we go to that one, okay. <laughs> assessment. So you've created these assessment tools, which I think um, are really valuable, uh, and you've created a, a variety of them. So if you can talk kind of about the assessments you've created. And then we'll talk about you know like you know why and, and how they're how they're used. Yeah, actually they were created a long time ago. Back I think in the eighties we began to because I think we realized that whatever was out there didn't really meet the needs of the kids that we were asking. You know, and I don't even know when I don't even know the year C tape came came on board. I really don't. Uh, but back in the day, unless your kid was ambulatory and pretty high level there was not a tool out there that that what i what we felt like gave us baseline information to work from so if you had a visual impairment if you had an orthopedic impairment um there was nothing out there that told you what to evaluate or how to evaluate so we really started from the from that premise uh we started with our region 10 low motor evaluation which is if you look at the, the the stems, it's added some things that we felt were missing from there. Uh, again, it was a criterion reference test. We never we never had the time or the I guess for me the energy to take it further and and gather data on it and get validity, reliability, and all those things. It just never happened because I was only one of one, so I, I had enough on my plate. But it still served. Uh, a really good purpose. And that's still the, the tool that I still use the most. And over the, the almost 40 years, you know, the thing that I tell people in the workshops is no one ever questioned what protocol I used. You know, no one's ever said, you know what, mm, you better use that C tape or you better use the P's. No one's ever asked me that. No one's ever said anything. And so to me, it always comes down to what's going to give me the best information to to uh, generate goals and objectives and, and make a difference in the life of the kid. And so consequently, when we start looking at our VI kids, and we started the sports extravaganza 20 years ago, and so... You know, there was nothing on the on anything that had to do with body awareness of, you know, because of our visually impaired kids, especially total, always had issues with that. And then as we got into goalball and beat baseball, those things were never listed anywhere that we could evaluate for. If we wanted to write goals for, we wouldn't know where to start. And so we, we, we did the low motor for VI kids, and then we generated the one for wheelchair users because there really wasn't one out there that – showed us things like basketball skills from a wheelchair, uh, transitioning skills uh, out in and out of the chair for PE teachers, uh, tennis, all those sports that wheelchair kids can do it. There was nothing that ever that we could ever use that gave us baseline data if that's where we wanted to go. So consequently, we, we, we started to generate those kinds of uh, criterion reference tests to give us an appropriate tool to use for, for kids that there wasn't anything out there before. And I actually think that most of your tests are very user-friendly. Uh, they're very, like, you see the test, you know how to use yeah. the test pretty much. Yeah, and the only, the only feedback we've got, and I, I, I still get questions about how do you score it? How do you, what does it mean? Well... 
you know, there is a scoring mechanism. There's a zero, one, or two on each of the stems that you could you could ultimately get a score. But I tell everybody the score is not going to mean anything to me because I've never gathered enough data on it. Okay, um, basically the tool and to me helps me know. And 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 if you look at the tool, we've updated it to where we put some stems next to the skipping and jumping where it tells you at what age a, a child should do something in terms of most of the the uh, developmental scales and so that that's a pretty good indication and so usually by the time that that I use the tool I can tell whether the child is a year or two behind in terms of their motor abilities and, and anything over a year and a half you know is probably where I usually draw the line in terms of whether we need to intervene with APE services. And that's kind of what I tell people. And if they're not comfortable with that, then they, they really need to go to the TGMD or another test uh, that's black and white that will give them a nice pretty score and will tell them if APE is warranted. Uh, but again, sometimes our kids don't fit those models. I, you know, a lot of times we try to take the C-tape out there, but you know, if a kid has any kind of physical handicapping condition or visual handicapping condition, it's going gonna, it's gonna to affect the results. And then, you know, I've always felt like the upper ends of those, the C-tape, the four, five, six, has always been way too high for most of my kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, if I wanted to qualify a kid, I would use the C-tape. Yeah. You know, that's kind of how I look at it. If if parent really wants this kid to qualify, there is no doubt if I use the C-tape, there's a good chance that they're going to qualify, especially at levels four, five, and six. Mm-hmm. So th- there was a need out there, and there still is probably, um, you know, and probably these assessment tools probably need to be looked at, and they could be updated and revised again, you know, uh, to some degree. Uh, we continue to update the functional motors. It wasn't our test to begin with. It came from Special Olympics when they rolled out the MATP, but we have we have done so many cool things with that functional motor test in terms of things that we have added to it just this last year. We added the sports and recreation parts to that test that was never there before. Now that we're doing ramp basketball skills and ramp bocce skills and, and our modified hoop skills, those kinds of things. Well, now we're, we want to write goals for them. We got we to gotta have some data to, to use when we evaluate. So we continually have updated that functional motor. I don't think anybody that created that, that test even knows that what we've done with it or, or, or whatever, but it's, it's probably my second most used test because it seems like more and more of our kids are pretty severe that we're asked to evaluate and and it's a great tool to, to get baseline information from so we even have modified that over the years to to make it work for us all right and thank you for listening to this first episode of two-part episode on region 10 When we come back, we're going to talk more about uh, some of the different pieces that they see moving forward, how they advocate in the state of Texas, uh, and all types of other things that they're doing uh, that are fantastic. So with that, just continue listening and, uh, you know, feel free to give us some input. The blog and the podcast have been doing great, and uh, I just want to continue asking you all to continue giving me your input, some different topics that you have. Uh, And we look forward to uh, getting the next episode out to you as soon as possible. Thanks and have a great day.